what are some certainties in the world? Um, the earth spinning, me being hungry, Josefina having a new crush every week, and uh, Rafa winning the French Open? Um, all incredibly accurate, some unfortunately, but I think it's time we add ego winning in 2022 to that list. Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Rabia and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravi and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. Yeah, it's um, it's been a while since we last uh, talked French Open or even recorded. We, wow, we are busy. That is just, that's that. Because we are ending, nearing the approach, nearing the end of the approach. What? Nearing, <laughs> ending the near of the approach. Nearing the end. Yes. Approaching. Summer. Approaching. Yes, summer, and therefore the end of junior and senior year, respectively. Yeah. So, it's been a lot. Yeah, I had COVID, and Josefina had the SAT <laughs> and finals, and, yeah. and the French Open was happening. But we've sort of come to a creative conclusion that Hotter is ready for something new. We don't know what, but... This summer, expect new. a little something different. Expect new. We're ready to take this podcast to the next level. We're excited. The next few weeks will remain to be a little bit busy as we embark into grass season, but we will obviously be active on our social media, um, keeping you updated if it, we're not um, recording, because um, Josephine and I have a few end-of-school-year commitments that we have to tend to some a little bit of vacation time for us but um we deserve it guys we deserve it yes we will be back to sort of get us into the grass season Wimbledon mood because the turnaround from the French Open is quick but that is all to say we're happy to be back recording and we're really excited for what this summer is going to mean for Hotter is that fair to say Josefina very and it could be something as little as you know talking a little more about our personal lives relating that to the tennis world yeah because honestly like we find each other very interesting i won't lie to you (laughs) (laughs) like otherwise we wouldn't be a friends or be doing this podcast exactly i could not have if oh my god if shravi was boring this podcast would have ended in august of 2020 (laughs) (laughs) um thankfully i'm not boring exactly we in fact spent we sat down to record over an hour ago and we were like all right like hey how are you let's start recording but then we were like no we're gonna take a trip down memory lane we're gonna talk about josephita's new crush of the week who actually i don't think is gonna stay for just a week right this seems to be very consistent okay it's it's been like it's a tennis crush can i say that yeah, you can say that. And um, a very big uh, 
this is giving it away a little bit. I'm scared now. Um, a very big uh, Rafael Nadal fan. Oh, he yeah. is. Yeah, so he was very happy about the, you know, the big thing that we'll talk about later. <laughs> so maybe that added to his good mood today. Yes. So. Let's let's keep you guys posted on how Honestly, that's a fun little like bit yeah. to do. Let's like, let's keep you posted on how Josephina's tennis love life is doing because I'm curious as well. My tennis love life has historically been non existent. Um, well, maybe mine too. I, Most of it has been like just you've whatever had a few, Charmin and I are talking about. No, you've had this is your third one now. Whoa, whoa! It's not like you can't count them as like actually happening. Cause let's be honest, it was just me liking someone and them talking no. to you. Exactly, <laughs> just speaking to me and me relishing in that. Yeah. Something well, hits different about tennis crushes, I feel like. Because you know you have this thing in common, and you mm-hmm. know it's like, it just feels extra romantic. I don't mean romantic in the way of, like, lovey-dovey. I mean romantic in the way of, like... Like, meant to, like... Meant to like be... Whole. Like Like a whole. movie, like, yeah, exactly. quintessential, like, you know what I mean? Anyway. Tennis I'm, is romantic, though. It really is. No, it's not. Actually, it has its moments. <laughs> it has its moments. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about some French Open hot headlines. These are two moments from throughout from the tournament that really stood out to us um, and that we wanted to take a moment to discuss because this was a very, this was, I would say that the finals of this tournament kind of were mid, like the matches weren't particularly exciting, but there were the some players stories. were great though. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the later stages of the tournament, but let's talk about some really interesting moments that happened um, in this tournament, both on the WTA side. So the first one is Simona Halep opening up about experiencing a panic attack during one of her matches. So in the second round, the 19th seed, uh, Halep, was defeated by Kin Wen Zhang, 2-6-6-2-6-1, who we're going to talk about also. And in the last set, Simona called the trainer because she was having trouble breathing. So um, her quote about this after was, a little panic attack, let's say. It's new and I didn't know how to handle it. It was tough to breathe and I was not very clear in what I'm doing. It was a very difficult moment. And then she elaborated with reasoning, opening up about how close she came to retiring in recent years with an ongoing calf injury and the struggles of the pandemic in general and how this might have added to her um, her feeling especially anxious that day because she was aware that she was losing and it must have culminated at least that's what she said and she also added I can understand why it as in the panic attack happened because I had two tough years with injuries and a lot of pressure with the pandemic and stuff so probably today I just broke down a little bit my brain was not very strong but now I'm good and that's why I'm smiling and then this was like ugh, of course um, Patrick Muratoglu, whatever, Muratoglu, <laughs> managed to make it about himself, saying something about how he's not doing a good enough job as her coach, you know, doing Babe, his, it's like, not little, about you. Doing his little, like, Instagram video thing where he sits down and acts like somebody cares about his opinion. <laughs> oh, rough. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, like, just... 
the fact that, like, if she said, like, the way she described it, this was her first panic attack. Like, that is scary. That is very, like, that's a big thing. And she just really casually opened up about it, actually. It's good. I think it's it's great. Um, I think, uh, sorry, my the COVID lingering cough. <laughs> I'm fine now, but my throat is a little dry. Um, I think Josefita and I definitely can both recall moments, and we're not professional tennis players, where, like, during matches or during practices, we felt, like, absolute Holy crap. Moly. And the Literally panic today, attack. Like, because it, my boss harassed me. I'm kidding. Bullied me. I meant bullied. <laughs> <laughs> It, yeah. There's just, it, it's, so I honestly, like, when we're working, Josephine and I wear our masks, um, and honestly, sometimes I'm like, thank God, because there have been moments where I'm literally, like, tearing up, and I'm like, thank goodness this mask is absorbing my tears, because I can't yeah. deal with, like, sometimes, people are going through stuff, is our point, and a lot of times, when you feel it all kind of crash down on you while you're on court either in the middle of a match in the middle of a practice in the middle of working or whatever it kind of feels terrible because you can't really run away to yeah, escape like, for us tennis is like it is supposed to be that escape so when those like feelings follow you to the court it's it's scary because yeah. you feel like you don't really have anywhere else to go but um well we've been through it so simono <laughs> We're with you, man. <laughs> yeah, this is like, but I, I was like, this is this this is relatable content however, right here. Yeah, however old she is, that's impressive that that's her first panic attack. My lord, we are what? <laughs> <laughs> we are, yeah, almost one of us is almost eighteen. The other one, is probably gonna be a child forever. Honestly, I'm scared. <laughs> This is a, yeah, yeah. basically thank you, Simona, for opening up. I'm glad people are opening up more about it in the tennis world. And it's something that, you know, we can empathize with because it feels awful to have to go through something like that, especially on a tennis court, as you said, something you're supposed to love, find escape at in whatever context um, of a situation that you're on court about. Yeah. Our next hot headline is about Kin Wenjing also, kind of. The last one wasn't really, but... So, she actually opened up about menstruation and athletic performance, and this was after her amazing performance against Iga Swiatek in the round of 16. Um, I believe the only player who took a set off her in the entire tournament. Um, And she opened up about menstrual cramps in her press conference. She said, my stomach was giving me the most trouble today, and I couldn't play my tennis because my stomach was too painful, but I really gave my best even though it was tough. And she further categorized this pain as quote-unquote girl things. She said, the first day is always so tough, and then I have to do sport, and I always have so much pain on the first day. I wish I could be a man on court so that I don't have to suffer from this. It's tough. This literally happened to me on Sunday. Really? (laughs) Yeah, because it was my first day. I got in the morning, and then I showed up to work forgetting to take Motrin. And then I was just like, I was like, I had to go behind, like, the curtain behind the courts and just, like, double over for, like, a few (laughs) seconds to just regroup and be like, come on, you got this, Josephina. You got this. I didn't get it. (laughs) um i mean it's funny how both we tweeted this but it's funny how both iga and kinwen have 
actually been really genuine about their menstrual struggles as top level athletes. Um, it's really important, honestly, that we need um, in the sport and in athletics is good outspokenness because if you remember Iga was talking about PMSing during the Guadalajara WTA finals so Gen Z girls leading the way on this matter and this actually sparked a really interesting discussion on Twitter about just in general the stress that female players have about things like wearing white at Wimbledon which I shockingly never thought yeah, about yeah I never thought about that but Monica Puig tweeted about that Another really interesting thing was why sometimes when we see, like, uh, shocking retirements or shocking results or bouts of emotion on court on the women's side sometimes, why we don't really consider as PMS or menstrual problems as potential reasons why, because as we know, like, they're very, like, unpredictable, like, when you can start feeling the effects of um, PMS or menstruation. So I think that obviously is something that has been left out of the conversation in women's sports for a while. And then something Josefina and I have talked at length about, but a really interesting point to bring up here is like why, first of all, bathroom break rules are stupid and why judging player, female players for taking medical timeouts or bathroom breaks makes it even more difficult to sort of combat this stigma. Yeah, because I feel like... Um this kind of like PMSing and menstruation in general it's something that women have to just put aside like it's not supposed to be the main focus at any time ever but and that's just that's how so it's hard been. it's just not accurate or true or just realistic at all <laughs> actually something funny is that when I'm on my period sometimes I get like okay look I don't think rationally sometimes I get mad at it so I wear white on purpose and I'm like I'd like to see I'd like to see what you're gonna do now (laughs) (laughs) like today to tennis I wore all white and the whole time I was asking one of the girls in the class was like am I am I leaking oh my gosh so I was like wait this is a horrible idea (laughs) yeah well really interesting discussion I'm not sure all of us opt for that PMS or menstruation tactic as you do of getting mad and wearing white to see if it (laughs) decides to fight back um but opens up a very important discussion nonetheless all right let's get into talking about the tennis let's try to be speedy because we want to go from the semis onwards so we're going to first talk about the ATP. So we had Rafael Nadal, obviously eventual champion, um, defeating Alexander Zverev on his birthday in the semifinals. And Nadal had a very difficult draw, i got to say. He had a, obviously defeating um, Djokovic in the quarterfinals in four sets, came back from 5-3 down in the fourth and won that in a tiebreak. Uh, right before that, he had a five-setter versus Felix Ogielisim. Only the third time Rafa has ever been taken to five sets at the French Open. So good job, Felix. And remember, Djokovic is going to be losing those defending champion points here at the French Open. But, you know, Nadal's foot injury has been continuing to flare up. And this match was super bizarre. Nadal ended up defeating Zverev 7-6, all when Zverev retired. He actually... Nadal saved four set points in the first set and was down quite a bit there too. But at the point of the retirement, the match was already at three hours. 
there were incredibly slow conditions. I was watching, like, one rally, and I was like, what the actual frick? Like, the ball is moving at a snail's pace. And it was because it was raining in the morning, so they had closed the roof. So, awful conditions. And, you know, Pam Shriver said, when the conditions get too slow, it's not healthy for players. If this match went five sets, it was tracking for seven hours. Um, so, this humidity and you know, conditions actually, I think, ended up leading to a pretty bad injury because, again, we were already at three hours. Yeah, and then it's just, like uh, Pam was saying, it's just, like, at a certain point, you have to kind of make note of this for future because this has definitely happened before, and I remember that uh, Rafa said something right before he was about to play Djokovic that... Um, the conditions at night are just different. And the fact that it differs so much, that's not right. Like, it has to be regulated somehow because how can you be playing on a clay court that's completely different during the day than you would at night? It's kind of, it's very hard for players to adjust. And that's why injuries happen, honestly, because injuries happen when you're not necessarily out of practice, but when something just doesn't, isn't going right, you know? Like, when you're not used to a certain condition or situation. So, uh, during a rally at 5-6, Zverev rolled his right ankle and fell, letting out kind of a sharp scream or wail. And it sounded really painful. And it's just, it was it was definitely tough to watch because his, wow, it was, like, gross. It went fully turned. I'm not, do you know if he broke it or? Spread? I don't know, but he came back on in crutches and then announced his retirement. Yeah, he definitely was, like, it was clear when he fell that he was just out. Like, it just wasn't going to happen for the rest of the match. And Nadal, of course, went to check on him. And Zverev took a medical timeout, like Shravi said, came back on crutches, then retired from the matches eventually. And then, um, yeah, out of this came uh, Rafa's 14th Roland Roland Garros final and he's look he was looking for the French Open title 14 and Grand Slam number 22 after this but it was definitely a tough way to get there yeah and just saying like the ATP like who knows how this match would have gone um but the ATP narrowly avoided someone credited with charges of domestic violence of winning a Grand Slam and reaching the world number one ranking um I mean he was still in pretty close close proximity there to that and he really shouldn't be playing in the first place obviously the injury was awful to watch um but just he should not be playing tennis like the, like the, like ima- it's just like imagine what would have happened if he had somehow pulled off the win and you know ended up in that position but yeah. um and the pity the pity that he's getting it's just yeah like... yeah but as far as ranking goes, Daniel Medvedev will reach number one in a couple of weeks. Zverev will be at number two. And um, it's interesting to see whether or not he will recover from this injury in time because he would be the top seed at Wimbledon because of the ban, um, I believe is what I've been hearing based on what um, people like journalists have been saying based on how the points are going to drop. But what was sad about Nadal was that he said, I would prefer to lose Sunday's final and get a new foot. I would be happy with my life with a new foot. Win is beautiful, but life is much more important than any title, especially after the career that I had. So 
I really feel for him there. Um, obviously, the final ended up fine for him, but I wonder what he's going to do after Roland Garros um, and in terms of the grass season in Wimbledon uh, and if he'll play. But before we get there, let's just a little bit talk about the Rude versus Chilich matchup. Amazing tournament for Marin Chilich. He took out Medvedev. He took out Rublev in a fifth set match tiebreak in the semifinals. And then Casper had sort of been building up his clay success. He's leading the tour um, in 2022 with clay season wins, titles, and finals. Um, and this sort of match between them was four sets. Rude took the win. But Rude had an interesting little quabble in the quarters versus Holger Rune. Um, which was also a, quite a bit of drama. Yeah, he lost to Rude in four sets in the quarterfinal, and that claimed that after the match, Casper shouted yes in his face in the locker room. Like a, like a, yeah! Like something like that. Yeah, which is like, okay. Um, and then Rune was very temperamental during the match, not surprising at all he was shouting at his box even seemingly at his own mother who was in his box and then in an interview with Eurosport Rude refuted Rune's allegations and said they were both in the dressing room after the match which is huge and there were obviously lots of players there and that he as in Casper Rude took an ice bath had pizza and listened to music before he went home all while Rune was sitting in his own area of the room so Basically, Casper said that this is all a big lie. Yeah, exactly. So, and the thing is that there was also apparently, like, people were thrown off by the handshake because it was very brief, and that's how people started to believe that there was some sort of drama, and I was just like, Casper rude involved in drama? That's what I'm saying. Like, who is the problem? The problem is obvious here. We also had drama then in the Rude versus Chilich match, where during the third set, an environment, like a woman, just walked on court and tied herself to the net using metal wires and glue, and she was wearing a shirt that read 1,028 days left. She turned out to be a environmental activist, but security literally didn't come on to do anything until 20 seconds after she'd already waltzed on court. There was a 15-minute delay, the players had to leave, the protester was then handed over to police, and I'm just like, everyone was saying this, but like, after the whole Monica Sella stabbing, how do you just let like a random spectator walk on court? I really don't understand. Like, she had time to tie herself to the net. What? She should never have been even, she should never have made it to the net. It was just bizarre. Like, climate it's- change is bad, yeah, but <laughs> this is the French Open semifinal, man. <laughs> it's funny that the ATP was more dramatic than the WTA this tournament. I really usually feel like it's a different. It's the other way around, right? Never. Really? Never. Yeah, it's always the ATP. Oh. Oh, yeah. I it's guess. literally just the ATP and Barbie K. Fair. Fair. And Barbie K left early, so we didn't have to deal with that. Exactly. Anyways, Kasrud making huge history for Norway. His last best slam result was the round of 16, so this is amazing. He was already the first Norwegian man to make a Grand Slam quarterfinal, so him being in the final was huge. Although, he didn't really get to do much in the final. Nadal defeat him 6-3, 6-3, 6-love for his 14th Roland Garros title and 22nd Grand Slam. Building his lead in the race, 22 in 2022, 
um, really celebrating the Like the, the Taylor era. Swift song? Like the Taylor Swift song, if you haven't, because that's a real original joke at this point. But, you know, I'm happy for them both. I think this was obviously huge for Nadal. I can't say I'm surprised. This was two members of the Rafa Nadal Academy in the final. But it's great to see cast for making these huge strides here. Obviously, very historic moment, but the fact that Rude was kind of the player that um, played Rafa during this moment, it was good because Rude said later, I grew up looking up to Rafa, the play you're, I'm going to face in the final. He is a perfect example of how you should behave on court. He has been my idol for all my life. So, obviously, very nice. Clay, expert to Clay, expert respect, something we love. <laughs> And Slightly different just, degrees of expert, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Nadal was being so cryptic throughout this tournament. Um because it's, he was saying like my he foot, said my foot, my foot. Exactly. And then he was like, I don't know what will happen in the future, but I'm gonna keep fighting to keep going. And it's just like there's all this stuff about his injury because like his elf- it can't be healthy to like be putting this much pressure on his foot, right? Yeah, and he... Like, he talks about how it's, it's not really ruining gone. his quality of life. Like, he's playing amazingly, but... But at what cost? what's going on behind, exactly. This is... It reminds me of Del Delpo. Delpo. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunately an injury that has really dictated the course of his career. But, personally speaking, as someone who likes Nadal, who's a fan of his... I feel like his health is the priority. Take this grass season to rest. Like, honestly, if he needs part of the hardcourt season to do so as well. And I don't know. It feels like he's tried everything to fix it. Like, he was talking about how he was playing matches with, like, the foot was numb. They put, like, shots in it or whatever. And, like, it literally was, like, basically the foot was asleep and he was playing like that. That is not good. Yeah, I don't even He said he was going to bring a doctor and that it was going to be better. (sighs) God, this man. Why why do you do this? We were happy. Um, okay. Anyways, let's move on to the WTA. So here we have a couple of absolute blow blowouts. Um so Iga Sviatek, the first seed, defeated Daria Kasatkina, uh the twentieth seed, six two, six one. Well, Ego is just, like, sweeping everyone at this point, and she made clear from her performance throughout the tournament. That she was a clear winner. She made that clear in 2020. <laughs> also earlier this year. So in the early rounds, uh, Ego's quarterfinal was defeating Jessica Pagula 6-3-6-2. And honestly, JPEG has been doing solidly in Grand Slams this year. She made the quarterfinal at the Australian Open too. And also, I cannot believe it's June and we've only had two Grand Slams. That does not make sense to me. Well, but, now it's going to be a sprint. I love this summer because I'm not a huge French Open fan, but, like, Wimbledon and then all the U.S. Open lead-up tournaments and the U.S. Open. Josephine mm-hmm. and I are, like, U.S. Open enthusiasts. Um, I don't, there should be a different category for us. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're super excited for that. We are. And then in the round of 16, the only set taken off of Iga was in this match, seven six six zero six two, where... Uh, can when Zhang put on a fabulous performance this tournament. And can we talk about the fact that this girl is a teenager? So yes, she, Gen Z queen incoming. Exactly. And she upset Halep, then Cornet, then took a set off Iga. 
and um how like it was clear though after the first um set that Zhang was well I thought that she was injured for the remainder of the match but turns out it was the menstruation pain and cramps which is totally valid I totally get her but still what a fight and I mean without without that um, I can't imagine what would have happened because Iga was struggling honestly um but yeah, more about Iga in the final section. And we still have another semifinalist. Now, Kazakina, I mean, career best Grand Slam run. Let's give her a shout out here. Played really well, didn't drop a set before playing Iga. Um, and, you know, she did a really good job at the Italian Open getting the semi. So this is a good build up there. Um, and, I mean, Iga really just kind of ended it, though. Took her out in 64 minutes. Don't know what juice Iga is drinking, but. We definitely want some of that. Uh, but in our second half, for our other finalists, we had Coco Goff. 18 seed, also 18 years old, defeated Martina Trevisan, 6-3-6-1. Trevisan, she's a familiar face in this um, uh, in this deep in the draw. Um, but Coco didn't drop a set until the final. Amazing performance. And this was right after she graduated high school. Like, this is so, like big hats off to her as someone who is about to graduate high school right now um you know it feels amazing and you kind of realize how much you've been through in your four years and like all the work you've done and for Coco to not only have the poise to do that and any graduate should be congratulated for that but also then kind of capping it off with this awesome friendship uh-huh. with Ron cat yep exactly is really impressive here um, she took out Kaya Kanepi in the third round. Then she also took out Elise Mertens and Sloane Stevens. Very happy for Sloane Stevens to be getting to their quarterfinals here, though. Um, she's had some good success at the French Open before. So, really great for American women's tennis overall, I think, with Stevens, Goff, and Pagula. So, um, that was nice. But Coco definitely picking up her form, and this was great, and I think gave her the confidence she needed. Um, a few words about Martina Trevisan. Obviously, made the quarterfinals two years ago. Um, she also took out Layla Fernandez in the quarterfinals, so good job for Layla um, making it through to the quarters. She had a pretty tough draw with Benchich and Anisimova, so I'm happy that we are trying to, starting to see Clayla doing well. Ooh. Um, but, I mean, Coco really just took Trevisan out, raised her level, and that set her up for a next-gen, becoming current-gen final between Iga Swiatek and Coco Goff. So here in the final, wow, just absolutely demolished. 6-1, 6-3. Iga just has that incredible ability to raise her level in finals, and I guess that's what guarantees that she crosses the finish line which is an amazing skill and is something that a lot of players struggle with, something about a mental barrier when you're about to win something huge. But um, honestly, I find it surprising that this is just Iga's second Grand Slam title, considering what she's been doing this year. But the it is, I mean, the second Grand Slam of the year. And this was Iga's 35th consecutive match win, so she is now tied with Venus Williams for longest streak this century. And she said... 
I'm more aware of how it is to win a Grand Slam and what it takes and how every puzzle has to come together and basically every aspect of the game has to work. With that awareness, I was even more happy and even more proud of myself because in 2020, it was all, I just felt that I'm lucky, you know? This time, I felt like I really did the work. Um, you don't win the Grand Slam because you're lucky, ma'am, but okay. And she turned 21 on Tuesday, had a lot of uh, clay expert birthdays this week with Nadal too. And she's still, even with being 21, the fourth youngest to win the title. And unsurprisingly, she still holds the number one spot. But she has more points than top two and three combined. Which is just like, what is she doing up there? But um, honestly, a huge question what is grass going to bring for her because we know we know how she performs on clay but her career best at wimbledon is making the round of 16 and she did win the juniors title there in 2018 so she's not unfamiliar with winning on grass but now in this new era of ega i wonder what's to come Thank you so much for joining us, and that is Game, Set, and Match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of upcoming tennis and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released as the grass season approaches. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time.